Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we've done at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network in 2020. If you want to help us out, and uh, if you haven't already, you can help make 2021 a better year by checking us out and joining all the rest of our patrons at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Rudolph. I'm Vixen. I wasn't prepared for this one. And I'm the crumpy old man that says, get back to work or you're not getting any more coal. You're listening to the Major Spoilers (laughs) Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. (laughs) In this issue, sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Just be careful. You might get beheaded because Klaus is in the house. Get to the chopper. We unwrap gifts of a galaxy far, far away. His dark materials in the year 2077. So light the lights and hope there's enough oil because the major spoilers podcast is nipping at your nose. And it's on the air. Welcome to issue 906 of the major spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading and checking us out this week. Everybody's here. Uh, the, uh, the stockings are hung by the chimney with care. We've got a, a holiday coming up later this week, but first let's get to the news. Menorah. Disney has announced yet another star Wars series, the book of Boba Fett. The new series was teased in a post credit se- uh, sequence at the season finale of the Mandalorian season two and was confirmed on Monday by Lucasfilm. The book book of Boba Fett will be set within the timeline of the Mandalorian and star uh, Tamura uh, Morrison as the titular bounty hunter, along with Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. Robert Rodriguez, who directed Chapter 14 of the Mandalorian, will join Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni as executive producers. The book of Boba Fett is scheduled to arrive in December 2021. And I could not be more excited. In 1980-something, I got the 12-inch Boba Fett figure for my Krimica, and I was just like, oh my god, this is such a great character, and then he went on to, you know, do nothing and get eaten by a giant anus in the desert, and literally three episodes of Mandalorian Season 2 have rehabbed him for me to where I'm super psyched about a Boba Fett series, when normally I'd be like, oh yeah, he died horribly, ha ha, now I'm I'm like, I want to see this. It's got Ming-Na Wen in it. I want to see this. Yeah, you should watch uh, part of season one uh, where she was in in that episode where he's first on Tatooine and we get kind of some footsteps that step up. Yeah, what and were everyone... they like straight up murder her and then go, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we see these boots walk up right. that are dressed in Mandalorian armor and everyone's like, oh, is that Boba Fett? So there was also a rumor that uh, they were shooting 
a Boba Fett series at the same time that they were doing uh, uh, Mandalorian season two. And it looks like that's probably pretty close to being accurate if this is going to come out in December of 2021. So they'll probably have got what another four or five more episodes to shoot and then uh, get into some post-production work to get that out by next year. It also means that we don't have a set release date for Mandalorian season three, even though that was also supposed to arrive initially in December, 2021. Uh, So that will be, um, be interesting to see when we get that third season and what's going to happen to the child. I think Disney hedged their bets and said the next chapter arrives in December 2021 and they meant the book of Boba Fett and people assumed that they meant the next Mandalorian. Well, they I'd have had to go back and check the wording. Yeah, no, if you go back and look in um, uh, before their big their big to do thing that they had uh, a week or so ago when they were talking about the next seasons of, of uh, season three of, of uh, Mandalorian, they were talking about it coming out in December of 2021. So this will either come in before Book of Fett or it will come in after Book of Fett. So anyway, we're going to keep an eye on this. And uh, some of us are excited. Some of us don't care about Star Wars at all. That's true. So let's switch from science fantasy to hermetic Christian fantasy. (laughs) HBO has announced a third. Read the books. I'm not kidding. A third and final season for his dark materials, which ties directly into the third and final book in the series. So it shouldn't be a huge surprise. The final season will have eight episodes and will wrap up the adaptation of Philip Pullman's excellent The Amber Spyglass book. His Dark Materials follows Lyra Silvertongue, a young woman from another world. Lyra's quest to find her kidnapped friend leads her to uncover a sinister plot of a secret organization, encounter extraordinary beings, and protect dangerous secrets. The final episode of Season 2 is coming our way on December 28th, 2020. And Season 3, if it follows the uh, books, will feature the Mouth of God. It's going to be great. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how they do it. Um, yeah, I've been I've been I watched the whole first season and it's you know, it's a watchable show. I definitely sat down and watched the whole thing and wasn't ever like terribly bored. But I still feel like, man, this is definitely a kid's show that they're trying very hard to give like the dark premier cable treatment to. I I don't like series where I sit down and watch like the first two episodes and I'm like, Oh, what's going on? I have no idea what's going on in this world. Right. And well, that's so that's very like accurate to reading the book's experience. Yeah. It's just like, good luck. You'll yeah. figure it out or you won't. Isn't that the experience you had, Ashley, when you first read the books? Yes. I, I started his dark materials twice as an actual child and then finished it last year as an adult. So <laughs> yeah. it's because, I mean, I, I joked about the hermetic Christianity, but oh, no, there it's... is such like deep cut christian mythology that is being uh played with in order to sort of bridge the science and fantasy realms and while it is very interesting if you don't know who metatron is like you better google that because you'll be sol for a bit of it wasn't that also kind of the um the ding that golden compass got was they didn't include enough of that stuff in the movie i didn't see the movie um everything that i heard was that it was just terrible although i would say that i think daniel craig is a better casting choice than Mm. james mcavoy all right (laughs) And from our hermetic Christian fantasy to overt uh, (laughs) Moses metaphor, this week marks the end of Brian Michael Bendis' run on the Superman and Action Comics titles, but you can still get your Bendis fix at DC because beginning in March of next year, Bendis and David Marquez are taking on the Justice League, starting with issue 59. The new lineup of the team is going to be Superman, so it's going to be new and different. Batman, which is new and different. The Flash, Hawkgirl, Aquaman, Hippolyta, 
Bendis's uh, creator-owned character, or at least self-created character, Naomi, who really needs a code name, and Black Adam. Justice League 59 arrives March 16th of next year, and it's going to have Black Adam in it, and I'm sure he's going to be played by Dwayne Johnson. All right. Uh, so we haven't talked about Cyberpunk 2077 Cyberpunk. for like eight minutes. So CD Projekt Red has released a hotfix patch for Cyberpunk 2077 after a superior glitchy, glitchy release, Sony removing the game completely from its online store, Microsoft <sighs> offering refunds, and CD Projekt Red offering refunds as well for digital download, that, uh, an offer which expired yesterday. Uh, the patch is now available for everyone, uh, and it promises improved stability, correcting the look of several vehicles and removing bugs that could lead to crashing or blocked quests. Uh, well, this might help some people get back to gameplay, be careful that you don't craft too many items, uh, and any save game that is larger than 8 megabytes in size will become corrupt, and you oh. lose everything, including your place in the game. CD Projekt Red is aware of this issue and have not announced a timeline to fix this issue. Uh, what's, what's... I'm still playing it. What's best about this eight megabyte thing is they're like, yeah, we recognize that this is going to corrupt the file. Um, even if we go and we fix this sometime in 2021, your file's still going to be corrupt. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to get it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just yeah, going just, to stop being a problem. Yep. Yeah, is it exactly eight or would it be like 7.759? Well, well, all the reports say that anything eight megabytes and higher yeah. is, is okay. could could be corrupt. Uh, but it seems like more people are running into corrupt issues than not. That must be that must be a PC exclusive bug. <laughs> well, I don't know. Don't uh, don't your your PS4s and your Xboxes also have file size save? Uh... It, they do. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I do I do this thing when I play where I only have about five or six save files, mm -hmm. and I just rewrite over the the farthest one back in time. Right. So. I know that there are people that do just make a new, brand new save file every time they save, and I wonder if they are going to lock themselves out of the game. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm already kind of a um, strange animal in the fact that I did not ask for a PS4 refund, so I'm actually one of the few people that still have Cyberpunk 2077 for PS4, since you can't get it there yeah. anymore. Oh yeah, that was the... It's weird. I thought that was the amazing thing when Sony was just like, we are removing this from our store. Yes, yeah, we realize CD Projekt Red is a AAA rated or whatever company that we have relations with, but they're gone. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I mean, 2020, everybody. Listeners, we have shared our thoughts on these stories, and you can join in the conversation about these stories and more over on our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord for free. There is a link in the show notes. Or if you're one of our patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers, you can get access to even more features at our Discord server, including our th uh, Thursday night uh, dueling review live recording that we do. Uh, where you can come in, listen to us, record a show live, chat with you, do a bunch of other stuff. Find out more. Join us today. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. We were doing the VIP live chat this weekend and a lot yeah. of people were like, oh, you guys don't talk about Patreon enough. You need to really mention it more during each show. And I was like, really? We already mentioned it like three or four times. And they're like, no, you need to mention it more. 
And I was yeah. like, I don't think, and Rod, uh, Matthew can back me up on this because I was like, mm-hmm. no, I don't think so. And everybody in the chat was like, no, seriously, we don't care if you mention patreon.com slash major spoilers even more. Yeah. They actually told us repeatedly patreon.com slash major spoilers is something that they want to hear more in every episode. They said that patreon.com slash major spoilers, which is our Patreon page, should be a focal point of more parts of the show. And, and I understand I, that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that's not a big fan of advertising in shows, uh, but people were really like, oh, no, uh, if we would love to get more people signing up. So if you want to mention the Patreon page, again, patreon.com slash major spoilers multiple times so people will go and check it out that is totally fine by us and our vips are our gold level sponsors and higher so they have a very vested interest in um monetary interest as well in what we do here at major spoiler so i guess i'm going to kind of listen to them a little bit anyway let's listen to people talk about reviews what do you got uh, for us this week matthew it's coming out uh, last tuesday actually I got a comic book. It's called The Tales of From the Dark Multiverse, colon, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and number one. So uh, a little bit of background on me. I'm an old dude. So one of the earliest comics I remember buying is Crisis on Infinite Earths, number one. I remember buying this, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this? This is awesome. And Crisis on Infinite Earths really was kind of the beginning of the end of everything for the DC universe as we knew it in the Bronze Age. And now... The Dark Multiverse is the end of everything you ever loved and anything you've ever liked and anything happy or good in the universe. So uh, this Dark Multiverse basically posits a universe written by Steve Orlando, whom I love, drawn by Mark Perkins, who does attractive art. But it posits an alternate universe where at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, instead of Earth 2's Golden Age Superman traveling through to defeat the Monitor. Earth-1 Superman, Kal-El, the Superman that you and I know, went through and defeated the Monitor, leaving the Earth-2 Superman behind with his colleagues from the Justice Society, which meant that when Surtur, the Asgardian god of fire, rose, he destroyed the Justice League without Superman and left them all dead. So immediately after Crisis on Infinite Earth, Surtur came up and destroyed everything. In the regular continuity, the Justice Society were able to mystically trap him in an endless cycle of Ragnarok in uh, Our Man's Magical Time Globe or something, 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 uh, you know, superhero nonsense, time travel shenanigans, hashtag. But in this universe, Surtur starts attacking and tearing apart the universe and is faced down by the All-Star Squadron because, again, the Justice League is dead. And the All-Star Squadron rushes in and gets utterly trounced, ripped to pieces. Hawkman cut in two, Dr. Fate ripped apart, the Spectre's head literally bitten off. Wonder Woman killed, everybody dead, Power Girl eaten and burst into flame, and bodies and blood and guts and gore. And the remaining survivors have to regroup and come up with this ragtag plan to save the universe through the use of the Speed Force and the Cosmic Rod of Starman and the remaining magics of Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt and Aquaman for some reason. I don't know. Um, As far as I'm concerned, the best part of the book is this middle sequence where these devastated heroes are trying to get up the wherewithal to go back into battle knowing that it's probably doomed. 
that is where Steve Orlando really, really sells it. And the art is just wonderful throughout this sequence. But then the battle starts, and it is equally grim. Um, I am a huge fan of Jay Garrick, the original Golden Age and Best Flash. Jay Garrick is literally cut in half on panel. Um, I mean, the Sandman gets burned to death. We get to see horrifying moments of just blood and guts and gore and destruction. And finally, to save the universe, Green Lantern pulls a silver surfer and says to Searcher, if you say if you spare my planet, I will lead you through time and space and dimension to eat other planets. And that's your happy ending. Everyone's dead, and Alan Scott spends his life in hell. The end. Three slices of meatloaf. It depressed me. It is super grim. The Dark Multiverse has never been my jam. I, I will admit this. And it's a it's a well-drawn book, and there are parts of it that are very, very well written. But I just can't fathom the fascination that the Dark Universe titles have with everybody dies screaming. I mean, I read What If when I was a kid. Yeah, Don't get I, me wrong. This is like such a, it just sounds so much like, like what if, especially yeah. like eighties and nineties. Like it, it feels like everybody forgot that the injustice comics exist to mm-hmm. me. Oh, no, yeah. don't, don't worry. Uh, the, the, uh, injustice squad is coming back or, you know, uh, earth threes, uh, um, team is coming March back in March, 2021. Well, yeah. anyway, the injustice comics are really great though. Yeah. <laughs> don't like them either i mean i i don't hate them as much as this book rubs me the wrong way because normally orlando can do no wrong for me i mean orlando took extraño from the new guardians and made him impressive heroic and truly truly intimidating and i want you to think about that if you know who extraño from the new guardians is first of all you're old but second of all the fact that he could take this character and put him in any setting where he could be taken in any way seriously was just an amazing writing experience and man this comic depressed me i'm sad mm. i give it three slices of meatloaf cuz it's well done sad depressing grimness but geez i need a banana or something well, maybe I, I, Ashley's I review like will uh, cheer us up this week. Cheer us up, Ashley. Hey, yeah. I, uh, I also have a comic from last week, so this works out very nicely. I read Agretsuko Meets Her Friends, number two. I can't say it. I can't say it. Agretsuko. Um, Agretsuko. My, my Japanese is shoddy at best. Uh, but I love the Agretsuko show, and I have really been enjoying the comic tie-ins. Uh, comic tie-ins, like we always say, are tough to do. But I actually think the Agretsuko ones are very sweet, and they do a really, really great job at striking the same tone as the show. And actually, if you read these and look at the pictures, probably you take more time doing this than watching an episode of the Netflix series. <laughs> and this is the third third or fourth series that Oni Press has done in the extended Sanrio Agretsuko universe. And it kind of highlights a different one of her friends, although friends might be too generous a word, slash co-workers. This issue is, what if Fenico but Ocean's Eleven, though? They basically (laughs) go on a heist led by the Aubrey Plaza of this universe uh, in order to protect 
uh, Ratsuko from going too viral and becoming too internet famous, which doesn't feel like um, something that a real, tw- I think it's supposed to be 22 or 23, a real 23 year old would want in this world. That definitely feels like something that uh, somebody would very much want, but that's okay. It is very cute. It's a very quick read. Uh, Digi, that's how I'm going to assume your name is said. I'm sorry if it's wrong. Daguna, DG, Daguna, who is on DG. art, does a, does a really excellent job uh, aping that sort of said Rio house style. I thought this issue was super, super fun. And if you need a little palate cleanser, once everyone you love has died, this is a great issue where the worst thing that's going to happen is completely trivial. And in 2020, it's pretty much exactly what I needed. I can't wait to read more of the issues uh, as they come out in the coming months. Four out of five. Very, very good. My daughter was totally hooked on Agretzko's cartoon all this summer. Mm -hmm. And I started actually watching with her. And I got totally, totally involved when the weird stalker showed up. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to this cartoon panda? I love it. I uh, oh. The Sanrio store in the Japanese village, which when it is open in LA, uh, was the first one to have the Agretsuko merch a couple years ago. So I I, I hold, I hoard my Agretsuko t-shirts uh, as if I were a dragon sitting on top of a hoard of gold. <laughs> Thank you for that, Ashley. Rodrigo, <laughs> what's going on in the world of the Spawn? Spawn. A guy that went to heck and came back. So every once in a while, I do like to check back and see what Spawn is doing. Uh, so today I'm looking at Spawn number 313, written by uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, Carlo Berberi on pencils. And this is, the the, solic- the solicitation says that this is like the end, but it, it doesn't actually have the end. It actually just has the start of a fight uh, between um, spawn and omega spawn and uh if you like have, have you guys seen the the cover for this like, I have if not. i if i told you that there was a character in this called omega spawn what would you picture um i would picture a giant demon with horns and cheese and stuff okay i'm Im- imagining basically dark side with the spawn cape okay <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh savage dragon that's uh, pretty close. Yeah, Omega Spawn is... I, I think all of your guesses were solid. Omega Spawn uh, basically looks like Spawn, except he's taller and beefier. He's red, and he has more skulls on him. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have a cape, and you can you can actually see his, like, his oh, mouth. Oh, the cape's the best part! <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but you, you have to tell... It, it really does seem like one of the things that sets the Al Simmons spawn apart from all the other spawns is, has kind of become the Cape. Uh, so that's, that's kind of like our quote unquote spawns deal um, more and more. Uh, so this, this book has spawn Omega spawn and cowboy spawn. Um, and still somehow is not going to be the spawn book with the most spawns in it. Uh, oh, and she spawn, I guess if you count priest, um, Fun fact: Priest is in this. This is a weird, <laughs> uh, a weird issue, um, as it mostly like the majority of this issue is Cowboy Spawn's inner monologue about 
stuff that has happened recently and being transported into the future, into our present, um, or Spawn's present, I guess, where there are cyborg monkeys. Um, and uh, then kind of having like a, a weird exchange with Priest. And that's the majority of the issue. The Spawn, actual Spawn versus Omega Spawn conflict kind of starts at the tail end of this. Um, so. Uh, if you look at the cover and you see this spawn fight, just know that the majority of this are the ruminations of, uh, what is his name? Um, I think Gunslinger. That's like the, the code name for uh, old, old West Spawn. I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. It's not a bad spawn book. Uh, there's, I, I like that there's conversation about what it means to be a hell spawn. Um, also, Sigor is in this, so <laughs> so for for those of us that either liked, I, I feel like at this point, Spawn is just has become nostalgic, right? It's like the '90s are so long ago that regardless of how you felt about Overt Kill, um, you know, seeing him again is like, oh, I remember Overt Kill. Um, <laughs> he's in this, so. He's definitely a thing that exists. Yeah, so so thanks for that. Uh, he's kind of a sympathetic character in this. Uh, three Slices of Meatloaf, check it out. All right. Uh, out from Boom Studios this week, it is Firefly Blue Sun Rising. It's a one-shot, even though it says number one on it. This is the wrap-up to the big Firefly uh, Blue Sun um, event that's been going on, uh, where it's, you know, the 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 lowly people against the corporations. And uh, this one wraps it up. So here's the thing. I haven't read anything Firefly related since Boom Studios started doing stuff. Well, maybe once. Um, I don't know anything about the Blue Sun Corporation. Yeah, go ahead. Send your emails now. Um, but here's the thing. There is enough going on. And I trust Greg Pack enough or Greg Pock enough that uh, I can walk into a story blind and he can give me everything that I need to know to kind of figure out what's going on. Good guys versus the bad guys. The bad guys end up losing in this, of course. Uh, the art is really cool from Dan McQuaid or McDade. Um, I think the biggest problem that I have with this with this series and Firefly in general is we got what thirteen episodes of the original series. Mm-hmm. We got a movie. This all takes place in between those two. We know what happens in the movie. So you know, seeing certain characters flying spaceships and other characters talking about living happily ever after. Um, that doesn't that doesn't introduce enough peril into the story uh, for me, because at some point I'm going, ooh, this is going to be dangerous. Someone's going to die. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, we know what happens because there's a movie that is set far into the future. So none of that stuff really matters. So I think some of the urgency gets taken out of anything that is written about Firefly or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever that you may have only because of this future story. That is in continuity and we know what happens. Um, So I think that's that's probably my biggest problem with the whole series. Uh, Otherwise, I had a fun time reading this. This is a seven ninety nine book and it is an oversized issue. But my God, I will say this again. Ain't nobody need to pay seven ninety nine for a comic book unless you're getting something that has one hundred and thirty pages in it. Uh, So this is overpriced. But if you want to see how this big sun corporation event uh, storyline pays off, you kind of need to pick up this book. I think Greg Pak is a great writer. Uh, Dan McDay does great art again, but man, that is a pricey comic, and I don't like seeing comics 
shoot up that high in price when they don't need to be. So go into this with a little uh, caution. I thought everything was fine. I'm not going to spoil anything. I, well, I kind of did. Good guys win, bad guys lose. Uh, four slices of meatloaf out of five. It's Firefly Blue Sun Rising out this week from the Boom Studios. Anybody else been reading Firefly? Matthew, you've been reading the Firefly? Off and on, yeah. Yeah, you know what's going on with this Blue Sun Corporation? Sort of, kind of. Yeah, so, you know. They're evil. Yeah, they're evil. And, you know, one corporation falls, another corporation rises to take its place with seven more heads, so. Hail Hydra. Don't talk about Disney like that, Steven. Shh. It's supposed to be a subtweet. <laughs> All right. Um, listeners. We've got shadow banned from every social media. Yeah, well, hmm, I've got some stories to tell, but I, I know <laughs> I was. I, I can tell you how I was shadow banned from Apple once, but anyway. Um, actually, that was an overt ban, but whatever. Shadow banned. Yeah. Hey, we would love for you, our dear favorite people in the whole wide world, to be part of the show. So if you got some thoughts, you can drop us an email, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, or call the Major Spoilers hotline at 785-727-1939. Leave a message. Maybe you'll hear your voice on a future podcast episode. So this is the holiday week, the big holiday week. And, uh, you know, we've done a couple of other holiday episodes so far this year. So I thought, why not? Bring in something that has to do with, you know, the reason for the season, Santa Claus, and take a look at uh, Grant Morrison and Dan Mora's Klaus from Boom Studios that came out in 2016. And just so everyone's clear, there is a new Klaus collection that comes out this week from Boom Studios. It's called Klaus, The Life and Times of Santa Claus. That's not this book. Okay. That's we a are, different book. Yeah, this is like volume, I want to say three of this series. So every year, it seems like every year since 2016, uh, Morrison has come up with a new adventure of Santa Claus, and it usually runs like 12, 8 to 12 uh, issues, Matthew, I want to say. And uh, like that, yeah. tells tells a different history, a different, a different take on the Santa Claus mythos. And here we get yet another take that for me feels a lot like Oh, we were talking Rankin-Bass over in our pre-show discussion. What was the one about the history of Santa Claus, where he's the young kid and he goes into the town where the Burgermeister, Meister Burger, doesn't want anybody to have toys? Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, that's what this book feels a lot like. <laughs> because uh, it's literally Which a... It doesn't have as much Mickey Rooney, but... No, but I mean, what really does? Um... um. <laughs> Yeah, it, see, it does. It does. If you imagine that the wolf has an ongoing Mickey Rooney narration, <laughs> well, they do sing Silent Night, don't they? Uh, the like wolves, or whatever song it is that they sing. So, yeah, I'm, they do sing a song, so it could be whatever you want it. Well, I just if you, so, if you look at the yeah. <laughs> if you look at what the wolves are singing, it kind of looks like they're singing. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. No, they're singing. Uh, this, yeah. see, this book not only tells you the origin of Santa Claus, but it also tells you the origin of that terrible Christmas dogs album. Our our Christmas time is. So I'm I'm curious what everyone thought about this because Matthew and I reviewed this very first issue, which I think was a double sized like issue when it first came out. Chillion years ago. Yeah, when it first came out. And the Back thing that the I four times. the thing that I dug about it was that in the, at least the first part of this, when uh, he escapes the town and he goes off into the woods 
and he's cooking some some vegetables and then suddenly he starts tripping out and seeing all the colors. Um, there's actually this belief system that Santa Claus is a cybicillin. What is it? The cybicillin mushrooms, Matthew? Psilocybin. Uh, yeah, the psilocybin. psilocybin. The, the I red think cap these mushrooms. These are actual amascarita mushrooms. Oh, the amascarita mushrooms. The red cap mushrooms. And apparently this is, uh, you know, something that is a tradition uh, in many cultures, especially up uh, in the north, where part of the reason why people associate Santa Claus with the red and the white is because these mushrooms grow underneath the pine tree, which, of course, we use as the or the evergreen tree as a as a Christmas tree. And that uh, these little quote unquote gifts, if you take them, uh, let you see all sorts of other things. So, also, uh, the the tradition of eating ham for Christmas is a Nordic tradition, and it was supposed to be prepared with mushrooms and rosemary uh, as a sacrifice to Freya or Frigga oh. or Fridge uh, as part of the winter festivities as well. Yeah, I'm I'm curious, Ashley, because Grant Morrison is all into um, the magic and mysticism uh, aspects yes. of it. So, what what stands out in this class Klaus book uh, that you picked up on? Uh, the, the a lot of the part. animal imagery. Um, obviously, we have a, I believe, slip, slip near, slip nor, slip not. Uh, Odin's eight legged horse. Uh, I think uh, Klaus or Claw. I don't know if it's Klaus or Claus. I say Klaus. Klaus's steed is very, uh, very reminiscent of that. The colors in the forest versus the colors in the city, uh, like the forest colors are all bright. They're all like uh, Yuletide traditional colors, mm-hmm. reds, greens, uh, and and like bright whites or bright yellows are all traditional Yuletide colors. And Yule, the sort of overall structure of the narrative also reminds me of the Yule myth is that it's the battle between the Oak King, the King of Summer, and the Holly King, the King of Winter. And ultimately, uh, the Holly King or the Ivy King is the one who wins because that's a coniferous. And the uh, Oak King, who's the deciduous, right, dies and then comes back in the summer. And even though it's it's not exactly two kings, like this whole story is the fight for dominance between basically Thor and Loki. Uh, if you look at Dan Mora's <laughs> art and uh, look, I love Dan Mora. Like we could not have had a more perfect artist, I think, for this book because this book has a real fairy tale quality mm-hmm. for a contemporary comic. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah if you are interested in mythology or ancient cultural traditions from northern europe like there's a lot of cool stuff to mine in this series i read this last year for the first time and i was so excited that when i saw this on the list for this year i think it's interesting that you say thor and loki because as i'm reading this i'm looking at this and saying oh well this is really the story of the krampus and black pete and santa claus Mm -hmm. i Uh, just really think that the um the evil king or lord or lord mayor mm-hmm. i can't remember what his exact title is i just think he looks like like it looks like tom hiddleston loki oh, to me yeah, yeah, which yeah. i'm not upset about yeah, yeah I, I call him the black pete character because he's the one that's obsessed mm-hmm. with coal and you know he dresses all in black and has these very dark thoughts although black pete is really the part of the of the krampus uh and santa claus trifecta matthew that most people try to stay away from unless you're yeah. from sweden or norway yeah there, there's there. Yeah, you, you got to be careful. Also, uh, I am not a mushroom expert. I actually meant to say Amarita muscaria rather than Mascarita dorada, who is actually a, a professional wrestler and little person. Why so, not yes. both? Uh, well, because one <laughs> is a hallucinogen and the other 
is you know a, a, a luchador and you, you can't mix up your hallucinogens and your luchadors or else you just totally trip but man hallucinogen see, luchador would be it's a great comic title <laughs> hallucinador is what you would call him. oh man yeah but this is the thing i'm a huge fan of savage sort of santa and i <laughs> i feel that throughout this story there are so many wonderful touches where, you know, he goes out and he totally trips out and the magic creates toys. And, mm-hmm. of course, the evil Burgermeister doesn't want any toys. And there, there are echoes of this through various mythologies. But I think the best part of it for me is that you keep, you know, throughout this episode and the pre-show, Stephen has been referencing the Rankin-Bass stories. I so want to see this done in Rankin-Bass style. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing that is somewhat upsetting is um, Klaus from Grant Morrison, I think is a really fascinating uh, book. Uh, as you said, Dan Mora does some great art here. Unfortunately, there is an animated movie called Klaus, which is on Netflix. Same name. Not even kind of related. Not even kind of close to one another. When I saw this thing first pop up on Netflix last year, I want to say, I was like, oh man, they took Grant Morrison's thing and they adapted it. I can't wait to see it. And then I watched a trailer and I was like, this is not that. So I've totally passed over on it, even though that movie was nominated for an Academy Award. So, yeah. Yeah, it's also nothing like Fred Claus, where uh, Vince Vaughn is Santa's ne'er-do-well brother. That's Rodrigo, a real what did you, thing, what did you think of, uh, of, of this, uh, especially from the mythology standpoint? Um, I, I thought it was interesting. It's weird. Really, it's weird because the... There's kind of a flip, so not necessarily from the mythology standpoint, although there's a little bit of that, but from the comic book standpoint, um, I I feel like we get a lot of comics, and we get some comics from Grant Morrison that kind of um, push this, like, idea of, like, this hyper-masculine, you know, warrior man who uh, is is correct and kind of pushes against society and that's that's present here but there's because of who this person is there's this like weird like very sensitive twinge to it like you know like here's klaus jumping around on rooftops and punching guards and running around and his wolf is like and he's like and why is he doing that is because he's like he's sad that babies now have toys right Mm -hmm. Is like he saw that the babies now had toys and felt bad, so he went into the forest and got high and made them toys. And so there's this kind of like there are entire spans of this book where Klaus is like this like two fisted bearded man, um, <laughs> and and are like weirdly not necessarily undercut but like colored by the fact that his. Later on, it turns out that he does have a reason to have come back to the town at all. Um, But the majority of his quest is really just to get some toys to these poor kids whose the state keeps taking their toys away from them. Mm -hmm. Um, More so than to undermine the state. Like he really just is like very directly like, I just want these kids to have some toys because I feel bad. and I don't know, it just, it makes him a weird character, you know, and, and again, when you look at comics in a pantheon of these, like, uh, like, 
severe, stoic, hyper-masculine, violent men, Klaus is most of those things, except he's has this, like, very big, obvious, soft spot for, like, the suffering of children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also for the uh, for the queen of the land or the for uh, the queen, as it turns out, you know, if you if you want to uh, if you're like, well, this maybe is not so tropey is is thoroughly mitigated by the fact that he, you know, used to be used to go steady with the queen and has a thing for her. And that's why he came back in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, uh, hmm. <laughs> in the past, I, you know, I, I usually have had a lot of problems with Morrison. Mm-hmm. because you usually don't get what he's trying to say until the end. And then you, you know, then you work your way backwards after you've read everything. Go, oh, okay. This makes perfect sense. It feels like in Klaus though, it does feel like he started with his ending and then worked, worked into some ambiguous things that, you know, are regular kind of tropey stuff, as you said, Rodrigo, um, or maybe not. I mean, like I said, I was surprised that we got Krampus, uh, Krampus and, and Black Pete, uh, showing up in this, so maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, looking at it a different way. Or as Ashley said, the the winter and the uh, the summer trees fighting one another. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what do you think? Yeah. Or Rodrigo, anybody? Rod- go ahead, Rodrigo. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of like I I do agree that at the end he has to be Santa Claus, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole idea. So you work backwards from there, and you know the Krampus is fun, so gotta have him. Right. Um, got to throw in some mythological stuff. Um, this this is one of those stories that really tries to have it both ways, right? If uh, you will see, uh, do you guys remember that Hercules um, book Kevin we Sorbo? read, where it's like, no, 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 no. The, the the comic we read, and actually they did make a movie starring The Rock. Yeah. But it's this idea that Hercules is really just a normal person, like he might be divine but he never really does anything that's too out there and it turns out the hydra was actually a bunch of guys that just like were snaky and turns out that the centaurs were just like a bunch of guys who were like good at riding horses and in mythology it sort of like muddied the things this book is kind of doing both things it's like saying like santa claus was a man and he was just a man and he stood up and for the children's but also there were like magic weirdos in the forest and the Krampus is real. So um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of had trying to do both things at once, which, you know, I, I feel that it mostly accomplishes. Actually, do you think yeah. that that uh, Morrison didn't go far enough in exploring the mythology or the, the magic side of of the the, the myth of, of Santa Claus? Um, it's tough because based on my familiarity with Morrison's previous work where he has gone like really extreme, if you're looking at something like Doom Patrols or Invisibles or a lot of his, I suppose I should be saying they because they came out as gender fluid. So I apologize for the pronoun mistake. Um, but, uh, sometimes they do go really far and I've always said that if Grant Morrison ever started a religion that I would totally be on board with it. But I think that because this is a boom book, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I think and it's not to say that boom hasn't done scary, edgy stuff, but I feel like there must have been some sort of editorial note, like, let's keep this pretty family friendly, because even when some of the scarier critters show up, it's never really pushing it too far. And I think that if we'd gone further into some of the uh, weirder, like pagan mythologies, like it does get 
a little dark. Mm -hmm. And I think with keeping with the overall levity of like Christmas is happy fun time. I think this strikes a good chord. I also think from a larger perspective of um, we might sell this someday. This is probably a safe tone to stick with. But I mean, I would have loved it if we went full like. I don't know how to pronounce this because Welsh is incomprehensible to me, but uh, that that like bone horse that's part of their Yule mythology. I would have mm. loved it if we'd gone like full like creepy thrusters with yeah. it. Well, I, you know, I'm just curious because you're right. Maybe it is. We don't want to go too far and offend uh, the Christian uh, holiday peoples uh, mm-hmm. by by telling, you know, this is probably more of a real reason behind where this myth of Santa Claus comes from. Um, yeah. but at the same time, they, you can kind of feel that boom was like, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. I just remember that this book, I think, yeah, originally came out in November of 2016 and I thought it was just going to be a one shot. And then it yes. went on for like 12 issues or 10 issues or something. I was like, well, they should have mm-hmm. done this. So it ended at Christmas, not was like over in the middle of summer or whatever it was. Um, so I don't know, maybe there was some weird handling going on, uh, with this book when it was, uh, originally, originally published. I don't know. Matthew, did you have some more thoughts? I think it's pronounced Mari Lewid, uh, the Welsh uh, thingamathinga with the bone horse. Somebody but I send don't. us a nice uh, someone send us a nice little voice recording to podcast at majorspoilers.com because somebody will know. I don't speak Welsh, but you know, just looking at it, Mari Lewid is mm-hmm. what I would say. If anyone wants to fight with me, you certainly can, especially if you're actually Welsh. I love your people. I love your accent. It's always a lot of nice white clothing. But here's the thing. When you're reading Klaus, yes, you're getting Grant, but I also feel like you're getting Grant admitting that he's playing on Christmas story terms. Mm. You know, in, in, mm-hmm. there's there's a little Robin Hood and there's a little bit of that whole, uh, you know, the everything has to have an origin, the year one thing. But that's not necessarily bad in this case because it comes across as less and this is how I this is well, why I armor my head yeah. and more of a kind of you know these real magical things are magical and kind of fun and when you get to the end of this volume he flies off into the sky and promises to come back every yuletide and bring frosty with him and i feel like it's a nice balance of that you know that hypermasculinity that is admittedly sometimes upsetting in Morrison's work. And they do have a tendency to really not necessarily push that as hard as a Warren Ellis, but they do push that kind of hard in their writing. So I just feel like this is a nice balance for me. This is something where not only are you seeing the standard Morrison, I'm going to make a magic spell in the form of this story, but also it's a magic spell that kind of has, you know, a little bit of, of, of goodness or kind of, you know, that crimacy spirit mm-hmm. involved in it, in, in whatever, whatever they might be wanting to create out of it. So, you know, I appreciate that. I like that. And as I said, you know, if you refer to it in your head as savage sort of Santa Claus, you will always get a nice smile out of that. Well, I was uh, kind of expecting you to go, why does, why does everything have to be Batman? Um, but, you know, th- what I like about this book, though, is what I said earlier, is this really feels like Santa Claus is coming to town because you learn about Chris Kringle and, you know, him coming to the Burgermeister Meister Burgers. Uh, I'm the king of jingling. Yeah. And, hey. and, and so I kind of like that. And I kind of like when creators can explore mythology and really say, OK, why do we bring a why do people put up a Christmas tree? Well, here's where it all goes back to 
the pagan beliefs and religions from this time. And let's explore how this has evolved and how it inter- gets interpreted into these things over time. And I think when you're specifically talking about uh, Northern Germanic and um, Norwegian and Scandinavian, um, Scan- yeah, the whole Scandinavian areas, I-, I think that this is I think this is really good. Look at that myth and trying to put it into a way that um, today folk could maybe understand and grasp and maybe appreciate a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, thoughts on thoughts on art, Rodrigo? I I really enjoyed it. I think um, both from a design stand- standpoint, I think the characters are like, you know, just very iconic um, and, uh, yeah, from a panel to panel, the action's good. Characters look great. Um, you know, the monsters are cool. The Klaus is buff, you know, <laughs> like pretty much, pretty much everything you'd want. Mm-hmm. Ashley, some thoughts on art. I know you've already shared a little bit of it, but. Oh, this was my first time, uh, being aware of who Dan Mora is, but like I said, I think, uh, I think he's really amazing. And he's doing like Power Ranger covers right now, which are mm-hmm. out of this world. And I know he is in the uh, new DC slate of artists, which I'm very, very excited about. But the painterly digital art style that is brought here, I think, really helps in making this feel as wonderful and magical as it is. It's a great read when mm-hmm. you're like alone at night, tucked up in your blanket for it, uh, reading by a flashlight because we none of us have iPhones yet. <laughs> Matthew, any other thoughts on art? I really love this art. I mean, uh, Dan also did uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer at Boom, the Buffy boot launch. And I have to admit, there is just something really wonderful. It's not even, you can't say cartoony because cartoony has almost a negative aspect to it. But there's like an animation undertone Mm -hmm. that feels really nice. It feels Mm -hmm. like, you know. It, a good Hanna-Barbera or a, a good Filmation. And don't you tell me there aren't good Filmation cartoons. I will come at you like a spider monkey. Um, sorry. Had a moment there. I, I think Mora definitely has this thread of like your like Joe Madureira's, your Mike Wieringos, mm-hmm. but yeah. much more under control as far as proportions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your your Waringos, even getting over into your all reds, I feel like he has kind of an all reddish aspect, but again, more photorealistic and maybe more controlled even than all red because I love Mike, but there are times when Mike just kind of goes wahoo. Ashley, you said that you read this for the first time uh, last year. Have you read the other volumes and the other books as well? I've read everything, Klaus. Yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so he does. I, I think in the next one he uh, fights some. Uh, is it Jack Frost? Is who he takes on in the next volume? Yes. Oh, Martin Short. I love Martin. And Short. then uh, I don't know what's in actually, volume three. Honestly, if people if people like fables, that's probably the one that hits most in that sort of fables vein. Yeah, uh, but the others are, are are just as good as this. I would say so. I think it reads really well as a series, but each of them. Uh, can be read as a standalone, which I think is a very cool thing that we're not getting as much in like the Marvel DC realm right now, but indie stuff is really doing a good job at. So you don't have to read the first one in order to understand the second or the third. Correct. But you'll okay. definitely get something more if you're familiar, particularly with his relationship to uh, the lady whose name I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah. I think they just call mm-hmm. her Milady all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line for me is I enjoyed this. I think it, it, 
probably has not gotten the, the attention it deserves. It is a shame that there's a movie with the exact same name as this, because I think it's going to confuse people even more. But uh, yeah. I would say read this over seeing the movie. Now, I know a lot of people love the movie. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I thought that this was a joyous ride, and I enjoy discussions and looks and peeling back the cover uh, so that we can see where a lot of these modern-day tales originated from and really looking at the mythology behind it. So for that reason, I think that this is easy enough that your middle-grade uh, kids can can read it and get a kick out of it, uh, as well as adults and, uh, and the elderly as well. Uh, so for bottom line for me, Klaus is a good read. Matthew? Well, I'm annoyed that you said elderly because I know you were talking about me, but no, yeah, actually I, I definitely wasn't, but agree. why are you going to be like that? Anyway, um, yes, I like this. It's subtle. It's funny. It's touching. It's weird. And it's basically what if Conan were Father Christmas and you can't not love that. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you. Um, aside from the slight annoyance that I had a an idea that was very close to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this came out and I was like, well, now I can't do that. Um, this is this is a fun read. And it's I, I feel that if you did watch the Rudolph cartoons or, or any of the Rankin Bass stuff or any of the like any of the like Christmas specials, like this has a much as much acclaim to tell you what Santa Claus backstory is as any of that other stuff. All that stuff is made up. They're not getting it from anywhere. So, you know, it's like this is as good an origin story for Santa Claus as literally anything else. There you go. And Ashley, you are getting the final word this week. I would like to stand on my soapbox and say that if you are not incorporating Klaus into your regular Yuletide winter non-denominational festivity of choice reading, uh, whether or not you believe in Santa Claus, it is worthy of that. And is it a great comic book? Yes. But I think it is also worthy of being a called a modern myth or a modern twist on a myth and i think it does deserve to be up amongst your christmas carols uh because i don't like a christmas carol so we can replace it with literally anything else uh <laughs> or your grinches or anything like that i think this book is really cool and i think it's really special and i plan to keep reading it every december or so uh as long as i can still read There you go. Thank you for that, uh, Ashley, Matthew, and Rodrigo. And dear listeners, we are at that point of the year where every day is getting a little bit longer and a little bit brighter. So put that into into your hearts during these cold times of the year as we wrap up this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers Experience. We love the gift that is your feedback. So use the comment section at Major Spoilers to wrap up your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, you can send us an email, I've already said it, to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, and indeed, how could you, uh, you can support (laughs) this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. Guess what, everybody? We're going to be back next week. Yes, that's right. We've got one more episode to record and share with you in 2020. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon.
Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.